Well, I just got home from the pub. It's April 13th and I'm very happy to report that we can now socialise outdoors, which is what everyone has been looking forward to doing for the past couple of months. Obviously, we're still quite a way away from the end deadline, hopefully of June 21st, I think it is, but it's my friend's birthday um, and I won't reveal her age, otherwise she'll uh, be unimpressed. But um, we met for um, a drink outside, it was sunny, it was sociable, there were other tables around near us, socially distance obviously, um, and it was coming up to our 20th anniversary of Friends, a bit cringe but still, and um, it was, yeah, really, really nice uh, way to spend the day. Um, so... I wanted to start off on that uh, positive. Hopefully you've been able to do something um, a little bit more sociable, a little bit more, um, you know, back to normal like that. Um, I felt a bit giddy when I woke up this morning, the fact that I would be able to go and actually socialise with someone properly outdoors. It wasn't just some walk around a random park that I could actually sit and have a drink and talk to someone face to face. It was lovely. Um, so I would normally save the first thing I've done that week until the end of uh, the podcast. If you listen, you'll know that that's what I do. Um, but the first thing I've done this week is to actually go and socialise like a normal human for the first time in a week, in a year rather, not a week, um, in a year, uh, which is lovely. Um, what else? Let me see. Went to the dentist this week, had a filling. Not particularly pleasurable, but there we go. Um, I think it was only my second filling. I had one when I was about 13 before I had the dreaded braces. Um, so yeah, dentist. Obviously, it's like a horror film, isn't it? Speaking of which, um, I know I'm a little bit behind the times, but I do like American Horror Story. I've recently started watching 1984, um, which I think is the last series. The one set kind of like is a 1980s slasher film. Really good, very nostalgic, very Halloween, very Nightmare on Elm Street. Bit of I Know What You Did Last Summer in there as well. Love that. Recommend that. And then obviously some sad news this week to mention too. Um, the passing of Prince Philip, um, which I know has been all over the news watching the crown which i have done because you know i'm white and british obviously i do um interesting you know quite enjoyed learning about you know the positive the, the um the history of the, the family but um the passing of of him yeah um i think i was maybe a little bit more sad than i thought i would be maybe i've enjoyed reading about um you know his his life and his history in the press I was surprised to hear that the bbc received complaints that they had put too much coverage on I mean, you know, it's a once in a generation thing to happen um, for, you know, a member, such a, an elite member of the royal family to pass. And that's a little bit uncaring, but there we go. But I did find some of the social media commentary around what a shock. Um, Harry and Meghan, interesting, you know, um, it will be, um, you know, offensive if Meghan does turn up because she, you know, isn't a member of the family anymore. But it'll be um, offensive if she doesn't turn up because, you know, how dare she turn her back when the Queen is grieving. So no wonder, you know, obviously she'll be castigated, whatever the decision is. I think he's here, isn't he, quarantining in some fancy house, whereas she stayed at home because she's pregnant. Obviously, she's got the other little kid, but obviously, you know, she's a woman of colour, so she's fair game, clearly. Um, the topic of today, now that I've rambled the introduction, um, I, last week I spoke about 
it being Bipolar Awareness Month from March into April. And I was talking about my experiences of, you know, kind of ebb and flowing of emotions and things like that. And so I thought this week I would talk about um, medication around uh, depression and, and other mental illnesses and the medications that are on offer and medications that people you know may take or you know that, that research is, is brought to the forefront over the years and my experiences of medication as well so I just thought I'd do a little quiz with you first of all so um Prozac or that's the brand name for a lot of um kind of the stereotypical brand name I think people have in mind when it comes to antidepressants but things like fluoxetine for example um so fact or fiction, so fact or myth about antidepressants. So first of all, and I'll give you the answers at the end. Number one, fact or myth that antidepressants can cause weight gain. Number two, if you start taking antidepressants, you are then prescribed on them forever. Number three, that they will work immediately as soon as you take them. In terms of the cost of antidepressants, for a set of 30 tablets in America, that will cost $166, which is £60 in the UK. And the country that consumes the most antidepressants per 1,000 people is Iceland, with 141 per 1,000 people taking antidepressant a day. I'll come back to those at the end and you can see if you got, got them right or, or not. A little, little fun quiz about antidepressants there. Now, a little bit of research about antidepressants. Um, if you didn't know, you might find it interesting that there were clinical trials into antidepressants in 1950. And the drugs that were used were previously used in treating tuberculosis, which I didn't know. And it was a, a doctor called Klaus Schmiegel, um, who was born in 1939. And he was the inventor of Prozac, uh, which is then, again, you know, the brand name um, of a lot of uh, drugs that, that people take, like fluoxetine I mentioned before. And it was first approved by the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration in the USA, in 1988. So not really that recently. So there were trials for antidepressants in 1950, and then a first antidepressant drug was, was okayed, for want of a better word, in 1988. So you're only looking really at, you know, 40 you know years or so ago, not even that. Um, and the, uh, amongst others, like I've said, fluoxetine is probably one of the most common antidepressants that there is. Um, and fluoxetine is often used for people suffering from depression, OCD, bulimia, panic disorders, anxiety, things like that. Um, and in the USA alone, there were 25 million prescriptions um, a year, or there were in 2018 anyway. So 28, uh, 25 million prescriptions of just that one drug, and that's just one type of antidepressant that people can have access to. A lot of people, um, you know, over the years have questioned and considered the side effects of antidepressant medication as well. And there are some, you know, some of it I've experienced as well, which I will talk about later, such as loss of appetite, um, having been feeling quite dry, so having quite a dry mouth or quite, um, you know, dry palms. Um, some people have experienced rashes. Um, some have experienced trouble sleeping and insomnia and difficult falling asleep. 
others have also suffered from sexual functions as well. So um, not being able to um, get an erection, for example. Now, um, the phrase Prozac, um, I first um, equated it to when I was 17, 18, and I heard of Prozac for the first time with the book and the film Prozac Nation. Um, which I don't know if you, you've heard of. It's quite a famous text. It's a memoir by a lady in America called Elizabeth Wurzel. And it was written in 1994. And it was initially called, and I think it was a good job that they, they, they changed the title, was the official title was I Hate Myself and I Want to Die. A little bit on the nose. But um, the I think it was the agent persuaded her to change the, the title of it to Prozac Nation. And um, there's a quote from the film where it uses that title. Um, Christina Ricci's in it, actually, kind of post-Adam's family, Casper days. Um, and she says in it, sometimes it feels like we're all living in Prozac Nation, the US of depression. Um, and Prozac Nation, I think the term, the word Prozac is quite synonymous with depression and antidepressants now, um, even though that's not necessarily the name of the actual drug that, that people take. And... Um, the reaction to the book at the time was really polarising. Um, a number of reviewers were very, very critical and negative of it. One reviewer said that it was basically a book and, quote, full of narcissistic pride um, and that the, the writer Elizabeth Wurzel came across as, like, self-pitying and, you know, that she kind of enjoyed being depressed and it was, like, this fun, in, popular thing to do. Um and that, I think, links into something I've mentioned quite a few times on the podcast about the idea of shame and, you know, feeling shamed into having a certain emotional reaction to something and the shame around depression and the shame around taking antidepressants, which is huge for a lot of people. And there's a stigma that a lot of people have had to break through. And, you know, this is, the book was written in 1994, so coming on, you know, nearly 30 years ago, and to have that reaction to the book, which is quite a brave thing to do, to write about it, to then be shamed into, um, you know, the kind of embarrassment of having depression is really quite awful that the media, you know, turned on her that way. But there's a quote that she said about her illness that I think is quite telling, and she said, this is the writer, Elizabeth Wurzel, I was so scared to give up depression, fearing that somehow the wrong part of me was actually all of me. And to me, that really resonates because, um, you know, depression is something that is all consuming. It it does become, a, you know, a, a part of your life. You are functioning in de depressive. If you're a functioning person who lives with a mental illness, it does become a functioning part of your life. And to give that up and to have that go from your life, if it's something that you've had, you know, day after day, year after year, is a little bit daunting for that to suddenly go. And you do maybe question, well, who am I without it? Who am I without these thoughts and these worries and these concerns? As much as you might want them to go and to have never had them in the first place, you're so used to them. Well, what am I without it? And I think for a few people, one of the concerns is of having medication is, well, if I do get better, then what, what do I do then? Like, what am I left with? And if I don't get better, then again, what am I left with? What are my other options? So I do understand the reticence and the concern people have around taking medication. Quite interestingly, I did some research around celebrities that have taken antidepressants. 
And I know I mentioned last week celebrities that have um, said that they've dealt with um, bipolar, which Carrie Fisher was one. So celebrities that have taken Prozac and other antidepressants, one being Katy Perry, and she's been quite open that she felt ashamed of the fact that she had to resort to medication and that was something she had to battle with. Um, Chrissy Teigen, married to John Legend, um, in the press lately as she had documented her miscarriage online. Um, I think quite, you know, in, in an educational sense to let people see that miscarriages happen at all stages of pregnancy. But obviously she was shamed in that, you know, how dare you document something like that online. But, you know, that that's what people do, unfortunately. Um, Kristen Bell from The Good Place, Veronica Mars, actress. Um, Lena Dunham, um, who has uh, written quite extensively about her battles with OCD and anxiety. She brings that brilliantly into the television show Girls on HBO, if you've ever seen that. And she's actually just, if you follow her on Instagram, released a plush range clothing line, um, which I think is quite important for someone in the public eye to have done. Really, really positive there. And then one of the most famous discussions around antidepressant medication was with Brooke Shields and she wrote an essay about it for the New York Times in 2005 and how she turned to antidepressants when she suffered really really badly with postnatal depression and if you remember at that time Tom Cruise who was you know a Scientologist to the eyeballs um, came out and criticised her for that criticizing people who take antidepressants as some type of failure that they've done something wrong that you know they should you know not rely on therapy not rely on drugs and blah 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 because obviously someone whose religion follows aliens um you know knows what they're talking about um but the essay by Brooke Shields which it you can still access it online I would thoroughly recommend you read and really open and really um honest about her journey with antidepressants now, before I give you some facts about antidepressants and um, kind of the, the, the research and uh, work into them, Prozac actually put together an advert because, again, it is a product. You know, it is something that is capitalised on. It is something that is made money from. Um, they put together an advert. This is a US advert from 2019 um, from Prozac. So just let you listen to it, see what you think about whether, you, you know, it seems to be um, sympathetic or, you know, a, a little bit um, on the nose, perhaps, to repeat that phrase from earlier. And then we'll we'll discuss um, some information about antidepressants in, in a bit more detail. I can't remember when it started. I remember being happy, graduating from college, becoming a mother following my dreams. Then one day the colors they just didn't seem as bright. I couldn't get out of bed, smile, or find the strength to accomplish simple tasks. I was broken, a shell. My family and friends were compassionate enough to be concerned and bold enough to suggest I seek help. I can't tell you the moment it ended. But I can tell you what helped. 
1 in 15 U.S. adults have had a major depressive episode in the past year. Please contact your doctor if you're experiencing symptoms of depression. Common side effects include nausea, drowsiness, dry mouth, and trouble sleeping. So what I find quite interesting about the advert, two things. Number one, I quite like the fact that it refers to depression as it. Um, that's something that I, I, I coin the illnesses it quite frequently because it's almost so intangible to give it a name is, it's almost impossible to do. I know obviously we have names for it, depression, anxiety, etc. But to every person it's different and to refer to it as it, personally I think that that, that hits home quite well. Because it is so personal to each each individual that you know that it affects. Um, I like in the advert it refers to friends and family. I think that again makes it seem quite positive that you can talk to people about these things. I really like that, and that it's not something you should be ashamed of either. But I do find the um, little you know small print talk at the end of the speaking really quickly. Um, maybe a little bit insensitive but again I understand why they have to do it but you know after the uh, the um kind of softy soft approach to have that at the end of the advert maybe reduces it to a little bit more of a, a you know a monetary thing um so just a couple of facts about uh, depressants or antidepressants rather before I talk about my own experiences with them there are several different types and kind of the, they're all you know acronyms down as things always are so there are um these are just a few examples not you know an, a, an exhaustive and exclusive list so SSRIs which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors fancy um, which are the most common, so fluoxetine and, and Prozacs um, that a lot of people have. There are SNRIs, NAS or double SAs, sorry, and then one, um, just to link it back into the podcast from last week, TCAs, which are tricyclic. Um, they are um, specifically focused on bipolar, so there are different drug types for different types of depression as well which um i didn't necessarily you know, know i you know i now that i've been on you know on and off medication for a while i've read up on it and i know but when i was first placed on them you know when i was 17 18 i just thought it was a generic drug i didn't realize that there were different strands for different types of disorders and obviously it makes sense that there would be and that there should be some that deal with eating disorders some that deal with anxiety some that deal with um, you know stress and depression and different strands of bipolar of course it makes sense that there'll be different medication for them it's just something that i didn't necessarily realize a number of years ago when i first started taking them Now, um, each week I uh, tie a, a topic I'm talking about into um, a section from a book that I wrote called That One Time I Dated a Mormon, which is very much focused on mental health and my relationships with or, you know, parts of my life with depression and anxiety and OCD and intrusive thoughts, a number of which I've spoken about over the, the 12 episodes so far. And I'll continue to talk about on, on the podcast weekly or fortnightly as well. And because we are in the middle of Bipolar Awareness Month, um, I thought that today I would talk about medication that can support with that and also my own experiences with medication too. Um, I will put on the write-up to the episode when it is posted a link to an NHS site um, or particular page that will give you information about antidepressants um, if, you, if you want to read up on it, 
if you feel that it's maybe something that you need to talk to your GP about, if it's something that, you know, you struggle asking a friend about, if, if you know that they take antidepressants and you just want to read up on it to, to help them a little bit. So that link will be there for you if, if you want to read up on it later. So my experiences, which I'll talk about now, um, I was and still am a little bit reticent and around taking medication. I have taken it in the past. Um, you know, it, it has helped in the past. I'm not saying that it hasn't, but my relationship with medication has always been a little bit difficult, mainly because I am difficult with it. And it's very much so a relationship, I think, between patient and drug in terms of how it works. Um, like with therapy, I don't think that it is a, um, you know, 100% fix. It's working with each other over time. And my relationship with drugs has always been, I say drugs, you know what I mean? I don't mean like, you know, crack. <laughs> I mean, medical drugs um, has always been a little bit um, difficult, for want of a better word. So I've tried lots of different drugs over the years. But by I mean, what I mean by that rather is prescribed medication and drugs, not drug drugs. Um, I've always been personally a little bit nervous about drug drugs uh, I'm worried that I would end up being that person that they would turn into a drug awareness video for schools and you know the ones I mean where someone takes ecstasy for the first time and jumps off a roof and breaks their leg because they think the superman or something like that medical drugs though I have had and tried quite a few and I'll be honest I've not really liked any of them fluoxetine citalopram sertraline to name just a few why don't I like taking them? Well, that's a question intermingled with why I am also very bad at taking them. So I was first put on fluoxetine just before I turned 20. And by that point, I had gone through counselling and psychotherapy, mainly at university. And I'd always said to my doctors that I didn't want to go on any type of drug because I didn't like the idea of a substance in my body. That was when I didn't drink at all and was uncomfortable with something altering my state of mind any further than it felt it was already being altered and affected by my depression. And it wasn't until my GP spoke very candidly to me about my eating habits, my perpetual self-harm, that I started to see that maybe I did need a little bit of extra help in the form of a tablet of medication to improve my mood. So... I started on the little greening creams that we now know as fluoxetine. So side effects weren't too bad. I had a little bit of a cold or something like that for a while, but nothing too awful. But the terrible thing that I found about going on to mood stabilizers and antidepressants is that you, and I say you, I, almost expect to feel different as soon as you pop one into your mouth. I'm happy now, you want to be able to say. I mean, they call them happy pills, don't they? I was on fluoxetine originally for a few months and they're meant to take a while to start working. However, at that time, early 20s, in the throes of really, really crippling depression that I did not really understand yet, I was convinced that the pills I were on were empty and were a placebo, that I was some type of experiment to see if it was working or not. And the rationale in my head and the voice in my head that was there constantly, that was the reason 
I wasn't feeling better because the drugs were empty and I wasn't actually receiving any medical support at all. So what did I do? I decided to split one of the tablets in half to prove my point and to have proof that yes, they are empty and that's the reason I'm depressed because I'm not actually taking a drug at all. Well, of course, I split the drug in half and a powdery white medicine fell out. So immediately, rather than me think, oh, I'll stick to them then because it will kick in eventually, the little inner demon voice in my head latched onto that too. Voice, oh, so there is an actual drug inside it. Well, you know what that means then, don't you? 20-year-old me, what, that I should keep taking them and see if they eventually start to work? Voice, no, you dumb fuck. It means that even with medication, you're not getting better. You're still ill and you always will be. So you might as well give up the drugs now. Me. Yeah, I suppose you're right then. I would take the medication, but I would very rarely follow them through each day and each week like I was meant to. I would take the prescription, but not always full follow through the, the, the full program of tablets and this would last on and off for a couple of months and when you really need to be on top of the medication to get it fully into your system my erratic nature with them obviously wasn't helping anything at all my parents became aware that I wasn't taking the pills they convinced me to go back to the doctors and asked to be put back on them on a regular pattern I did and then I just stopped taking them again when I first started to take Citalopram a few years later, after me and fluoxetine hadn't really hit it off, Citalopram just hit me like a sledgehammer. I, I felt like I was completely out of them on it. I was sweaty, clammy, daydreaming, hot, and constantly needed the toilet. And it was only when I went back to my doctor and I reported these side effects to him he, re he realised that I'd actually been prescribed on three times the amount I should have been taking. And that was why my body was so fucked up. Nevertheless, me and citalopram, done. I also disliked sertraline that I was put on a, um, a few months after that because like citalopram, it made me need to go to the toilet every two minutes. But sertraline made me feel like going to the toilet, but I never actually had to go. It was just a sensation. And I'm not really sure what was worse, having literally to go every two minutes or just feeling like you constantly had to go. Either way, I took myself off sertraline as well. And finally, I tried venlafaxine, but that had some rather emasculating side effects, which if you listen back earlier in this episode of the podcast, you can figure out for yourself what they were. I'm not going to say it out loud. To go back to my earlier question then, oh, why don't I like taking them? Well, it's not really as straightforward as just having an understandable, I think, dislike of side effects. For me, the reason I didn't take them was because of the voice that was constantly inside my head. It was always there. I felt whether I was on the drugs and on the medication or not. Voice. Do you deserve to take medication to get better? Do you have the right to actually feel happy? Me? Well, I mean, the doctors put me on them. Voice. But do you really believe you can get better? That some tablet can undo the years of sickness that's inside you, inside your head? 
Do you really? Me. Well, I should at least try and take them. Voice. But you've been on the medication for months. And this afternoon you still had the word stab being repeated over and over again in your head. You're disgusting. You don't deserve to get better. You don't deserve medication. You're sick no matter what you're on. Of course, the voice telling me and telling you that you don't deserve to get help or to get better is the very essence of the illness itself. But that's not what someone in the throes and chains of depression will be able to see and tell themselves. It's a vicious cycle and one that's very, very hard to break. And one, I'll be honest, I've still not fully got out of. gov.co.uk release guidance and data around the use of prescription drugs for depression and anxiety. In 2017, antidepressants were prescribed to about 7.3 million people in the UK, which is about 17% of the adult population. You can decide for yourself if you think that number is too high or lower than you expected. Personally, I have mixed feelings about it. On one hand, I understand the need for people to have support and that for some people, the improvement of mood helps them to open up and start talking about concerns and issues. So they may need medication in order to feel more comfortable talking about their issues. I get that. Would I say that the drugs never made me feel better? No. But did they work constantly? No. But did I see them through constantly? No. So in that case, perhaps I'm just a bad patient. However, I have to say, it does worry me a little bit that medication might be too easily and quickly handed out to some people. I've spoken to a number of friends and colleagues who've discussed their and others' use of mood stabilising drugs. Perhaps I'm wrong and I'm happy to debate this topic with anybody, but personally, I feel there's a very big difference between describing, prescribing drugs to an individual who has a history of self-harm, intrusive thoughts, an eating disorder and suicidal thoughts. That's very different to prescribing someone drugs who's feeling low because a relationship has ended. Now, I'm not for a second underplaying the devastating effect that a broken heart, a broken relationship can have upon someone. But is that long term enough to give someone antidepressants? Maybe I'm harsh, maybe I'm callous, but personally, no, I don't think it is. I think that giving a patient, because that's what they are when they come to see the doctor and a GP, giving them tablets is a very important decision to make. And I worry that it makes turning to antidepressants too easily and potentially leads some people throwing the term around of, I'm depressed, a little bit too carelessly and too often. And I'll be honest, this is a huge bugbear of mine. If you're depressed and think about the real connotations of that word, are you feeling down for a little minute? Or are you feeling down for a heavy, lengthy period of time? Again, 
maybe I'm being callous. And I don't want to go full Tom Cruise here, spouting the rubbish I mentioned earlier against use of antidepressants. That would be a little bit hypocritical, I get that. But I do think there needs to be maybe a little bit more regulation about using them and an appreciation for who needs them, why they need them, and when they need them. Because medication is serious. As recently as 2019, the Royal College of Psychiatrists changed their entire stance on the prescription of antidepressants with concerns over side effects whilst taking the drugs and also the side effects when people come off them. Psychiatrist Dr Joanna Moncrief of the University of London actually agreed with the change that the Royal College of Psychiatrists made and she stated... It's really important for patients who have had difficulties coming off drugs to have doctors acknowledge that as a problem in itself. Hopefully, it will make people more cautious about prescribing them in the first place. And that, for me, is a key point. Should the antidepressant have been prescribed in the first place? Now, did I need medication? Yes, I did. I was just terrible at taking the medication because the voice in my head told me I didn't deserve to take it. And that was why I needed to take the medication all along. And I still do. Now, I don't want to um, offend anybody with the, the, the opinions that I have about that or the, the comments that I've made um, always seem flippant. Um, about people taking med medication, that's not 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 at all my intent. I just think it is really important that people take medication who need it, and that it isn't something people use too flippantly because they think it's going to be a quick fix because it's not. Antidepressant medication takes a long time for it to get into your system and is a long time thing to use. I have not fully ever been settled into a relationship with antidepressants because my illness makes me think I shouldn't have them. That's a dangerous issue within itself. But people who take them perhaps when they're suffering from a low mood that won't last forever... I don't think that's necessarily a reason for people to take medication because medication is serious and there are side effects to it. That's something I'm happy to discuss and happy to debate. Um, you know, as always, if you have an opinion on this and you want to discuss it, feel free to email in. And you know, next week I can have a look at some of the emails and and raise the the debate again. And um, that one time podcast at yahoo.co.uk dot com. Sorry. So please feel free to get involved in the in the conversation and let me know what you think about what I've said there. Now, going back to the quiz, the fun quiz about depression that I did at the start of the episode. We'll see now whether they are true or false, fact or fiction, fact or myth. And you can tick them off if you got them right or wrong. So number one was the antidepressants, thyroxetine, that type of thing. Um, can lead to weight gain, 
That's true, they can. There are a number of different side effects. Weight gain is one of them. I'm not talking about excessive weight gain, but it can be something that can be an issue for some people. Number two was that when you take antidepressant medication, you then have to stay on them forever for them to work. No, people can obviously be on them for a long time. Some people can be on them for you know, a prescription of months, a year, whatever, but you don't have to be on them forever. No. Third was that they will work straight away. No, that's false. It will quite often take you know, weeks, months, months to get fully into your system for them to, to kick in. It's not you know, a fix straight away, which is, again, why I'm concerned that some people um, are possibly prescribed them and think that they're going to immediately feel better and they don't. The fourth was the cost. So in America, a set of 30 um, tablets is $166, whereas in the UK, it's £60 for 30. That's true. Obviously, we're very lucky here, the NHS, that we don't pay that £60. We just pay our prescription in the US if you don't have health insurance. I mean, just think about that, the shame attached to that as well. Not only are you suffering from a mental illness that is stigmatised, you then have to forfeit a financial bill for that of $166 for 30 tablets, which is one month, times that by 12, times that by 24, times that by 36 for three years. That's thousands you're putting into an illness, which by its very um, state you often think is your own fault. So why is it that mental health is such an issue in America? Is it because you have to fund it yourself? Possibly. Um, and then the last fact was um, that the most, at uh, the country with the most um, consumed, front of a better way to phrase that awful sentence I've just said, um, was Iceland with, uh, out of a thousand people, 141 people a day take antidepressants. That's true. I was really surprised about that. I wouldn't have necessarily put Iceland as a country with having a high depression rate, but it is. 141 out of a thousand people taking antidepressant every day in Iceland. In the UK, interestingly, it's a hundred out of a thousand a day taking antidepressants, a form of medication. So some facts for you there. Um, if you want to read up about um, antidepressant medication, there's lots of information online. There's lots of things you can access. I will, like I said, put a link to the NHS page on the write-up of this episode when it's published. And then I know I did my um, one time this week earlier with the fact that I was allowed to socialise and have fun and have a drink for the first time, what it feels like about a decade. Um, but reading about um, antidepressant medication, one of the side effects being that people often have trouble sleeping. I did a bit more reading about that and I learned something really interesting. And it was something that's called biphasic sleep. And I never knew about this. And it sounds a bit crazy, but um, in ye olden days, I'll say that because I don't know the actual date, but ye olden days sounds like I know my stuff. Um, uh, people used to sleep in two shifts or have two different um, times of the night that they would sleep. And it was called biphasic sleep. So they would sleep um, earlier than we go to sleep because obviously we now have artificial lights in the house, which means we can stay up later. Whereas in the olden days, they only had candles and when it got dark, it got dark and they went to bed. But they would go to sleep 
They would then wake up in the middle of the night for about an hour where they would do things such as pray um, or they would maybe do um, kind of dream journals so that they would write them down as soon as they woke up in the middle of the night. And then they would have basically a second shift of sleep and finish their sleep pattern off for the night. Um, and I just thought that was really interesting. That was something I just stumbled across when I was reading around the side effects of antidepressant, this biphasic sleep, it's called, which obviously we aren't, um, you know, it, it's, you know, we don't do that now, even though, you know, sometimes we do wake up in the middle of the night with worries we've left the fridge door open or whatever. But it was, you know, almost like a practice. It would be sleep, wake up in the middle of the night, do a couple of jobs, go back to sleep. So, um, if you want to find out about medication, the link is there on the episode if you want to find out about it, if you want to email, and by all means, pull me up on something, disagree with me on the comments that I've made today, that's fine, it's what this forum is about, that one time podcast at yahoo.com, and if you go out and socialise this week, meet your friends for a drink, meet your families for a drink in a pub like you can, then enjoy it, appreciate it and have a lovely week.